So this summer we've been focusing our attention since June on God's love for each one of us. God's love for you. God's love for me. And we've talked about how freeing God's love is. How God's love can free us from fear. And how patient his love is. How joyful his love is. That his love meets all of our needs. It's limitless. It's laser guided. And I'm going to do something that I fear doing, to be honest, because it'll in a sense be a bit of an evaluation of how well I've done in trying to communicate the love of God for you. And that is that on the Labor Day weekend, I think it's September 2nd, during our sharing time, I'm going to ask you to tell us what you've learned about the love of God for you. I have something to say, because as I said from the start, this is really a series for me. Um, and God is doing something that I want to be able to share with you. But I'm hoping that there are others that would be willing to share as well. And so, think about that. And... Uh, Yeah, if you want to make me feel good. <laughs> Remember at least one thing that was said. Uh, I'm, not, I'm just joking. As I say, it was primarily for me. So having talked about all these wonderful things about the love of God, today I want to talk to you about something that maybe should be as comforting, but perhaps not as palatable to us, maybe. And that is that I want to talk to you about God's love for you, how God's love for you is responsible. Now, when we're kids, we don't think much of or like discipline, do we? <laughs> uh, we try to resist discipline. Colin and I uh, rarely spanked our kids, but we did spank our kids when all other <laughs> things were exhausted. We, we did have uh, the very odd time when we would put a child over our uh, lap and give them a, a swift snap on the butt. And uh, it really was more a matter of um, how rare it was that I think made the impact and less about how much it hurt because I really didn't hit their bottoms very hard. Um, but I remember <laughs> when it came to that point, my son knowing that it, the target was his butt, standing against walls. <laughs> They're like, ah. <laughs> We resist discipline as kids. We, we try to avoid it. We make up all kinds of excuses, right? Uh, why we did what we did that was bad and you know, there's somebody else to blame. We're always trying to avoid it. We, we try to make it out to be something that it's not. I don't know if you ever had the response from your child as you're 
trying to dole out discipline that you you hate me. You don't like me. You know, and, and that's not the point, right? But you know, kids, they try to make it out to be something that it's not, because we as children and as adults, let's face it, don't like discipline. But as we mature, we begin to see discipline a little bit more objectively, and we learn to appreciate that discipline can actually be a positive thing. It's not something that is meant to harm us, but rather it is meant to help us. God's love for you is responsible, and it includes discipline. We're all aware of those situations, and I'm hope, I hope they're becoming more rare because people have talked about it, and it seems like um, it should be, but I don't know. Of those situations where there's separated parents, and the child goes from one parent to the other, and um, one parent lavishes goodies on the child um, because they're trying to earn the child's favor or make up for any harm done or whatever. And the other kind of is left with, you know, being the one responsible who's concerned about character development and helping the child understand right from wrong, helping them understand that love includes discipline. You see, one of those parents really is responsible, but the other is not. One actually is loving, and the other is not loving. Because if we are truly going to do that which is going to benefit the other, we have to be willing to do hard things, which can include, in some instances, discipline. God's love for you is not a love that wins, that seeks to win your favor. Let me say that again. God's love for you is not a love that seeks to win your favor. By only showering on you that which is good, that which you want, that which builds you up in the sense of you're okay. <laughs> you can do whatever you want, and I'm never going to call you to account. No, God's love is a love that's responsible and includes discipline. The writer of Hebrews puts it really succinctly, very well. We read in Hebrews that he says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son who he receives. It is for discipline that you endure God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then 
You are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of the spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share in his holiness. That's the motivation that God has for his discipline, is for our good, so that we can become like him in holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. I want to clarify what I'm talking about when I talk about discipline, because there's several connotations to discipline. Firstly, we learn discipline. We learn discipline. A parent who's responsible will teach their child how to be self-controlled, how to be uh, disciplined in their life, how to be prudent, how to be wise, to make good judgments, how to overcome the natural inclination to indulge themselves, their passions, particularly when it's hurtful to somebody else or hurtful for them. And so there's that connotation of discipline that I want us to be mindful when we're talking about the fact that God is responsible and disciplined, and that is that God learned or teaches us to learn discipline, how to be self-controlled, and how to overcome that natural inclination to sin and to indulge ourselves in ways that are not good or healthy to ourselves. So there's to learn discipline. But another connotation of discipline is to be disciplined. Right? And to be disciplined is the consequence of when you're not disciplined. So to be disciplined is to receive the consequences of not living a disciplined life. I believe that God is concerned about both of those ways of raising us as his children. I believe that he's concerned that we learn how to be disciplined and he also will discipline us. Once again, for our own good, so that we will share in its holiness. God's love for you is responsible, and it includes discipline, both the discipline to teach you discipline and the discipline that you need when you have gone astray. King David is a classic case of a person who experienced God's love in both ways. He knew what it was to be instructed in the way of discipline, to be disciplined, 
And he also knew what it was to experience the discipline of God. First, let's look at David's response to God's instruction in living a disciplined life. So God wanted David to be holy. And he wanted him to live a godly life. And so, because David was open, he was willing to be taught by God the ways of God. This is why King David was known as a man after God's heart, because he was open to the instruction of God. Let's just take a look at Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart, David says, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. As much as in all riches I meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. David experienced the love of God as he submitted to God's instruction. When you read the Psalms, he's always talking about his love for the law. The law was God's practical way of speaking to his people, the Israelites, of which David was one, about how to live in a way that was disciplined, and David loved it. <laughs> he, he talks a lot in the Psalms. Throughout the Psalms, you read of David speaking of his love and his passion for God's word, God's law, and how it is that which he wants to seek after with all of his heart, just as we read in Psalm 119. And so we can see that part of God's love for David and God's love for us is training us in discipline, helping us to become disciplined in how we approach our lives. But as we know, David didn't always live a disciplined life. There were times when his sinful nature got the upper hand. The most egregious, of course, Example would be the instance when he committed adultery with another man's wife. He got her pregnant, and then he conspired to have her husband killed. Significant. Right? Significant sin. And then we see God expressing his love to David in a way that doesn't seem that it's love. But we have to keep in mind that discipline is a, an expression of love. And so we have the prophet Nathan coming to David and confronting him about the sins that he had committed. <coughs> We read this in 2 Samuel. Then Nathan then said to David, You're the man. 
Thus says the Lord God of Israel, It is I who anoint you king, who anointed you king over Israel. It's I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You struck down Uriah the Hittite, that was the husband, with the sword, having taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house. Because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household. I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion, and he will lie with your lives, wives in broad daylight. Indeed, you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel under the sun. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has taken away your sin. You shan't die. You shall not die. However, because of this deed, you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born to you shall surely die. God's love for David included, yes, training him how to be a disciplined man of God, a man after God's heart. But it also included discipline in the sense that David had to live with the consequences of his sin. And if you know the story of David, after the sin, this notable, egregious sin, you know that he had tremendous hardship the sword never did depart from him. He had his, this child die. His son rebelled against him. Uh, he, he lived a very difficult life. David had a, a decision to make at that point, I suppose. I'm sure he could have relied on his righteousness and said, yeah, but I'm the guy that wrote the Psalms, dude. <laughs> Don't forget, I'm a holy guy. He could have made excuses, right? He could have tried to avoid and run from. But Psalm 51 tells us how he responds. It's actually written after Nathan has confronted David. It starts like this. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. God, you are completely right. 
I deserve your discipline. It's appropriate for me to have consequences. And so instead of arguing or trying to slip out of or try to respond as a child does to try to avoid the discipline, because David had been trained to be a disciplined person, he was understanding and understood that he needed to accept God's discipline and that it was appropriate. And it wasn't something that he could argue against. But he was totally wrong and he was in the wrong. And in Psalm 51, we have this amazing admission and acceptance of what God decided would be the consequences for David. There's something here that we really shouldn't miss, though. And I, I think that people like me need to hear this. <coughs> Here's David. He's, he's committed two heinous crimes. He's violated God's word, the very word that he loves and, 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 and understands is the way and is the truth. And he's given the consequences. But the beautiful thing I see in this passage is that David never doubts the grace of God. He doesn't take the discipline of God as a condemnation of God. It's important for us when we mess up, because we do. And we sin against God. We offend God. We walk over the law and God's precepts and His ways, His perfect ways. We mess up. We have to recognize that God's discipline is appropriate. The consequences are appropriate. But we should never look to that discipline as condemnation. Remember what Nathan says? The Lord also has taken away your sin, you shall not die. <laughs> David was very confident in the love of God that it would not end in his destruction, but that he would be forgiven and he would be extended grace. That God was willing to forgive him even though he'd done terrible things. So discipline is part of the package of love. Those who truly love actually want what's best for someone else. And they understand that with love comes responsibility. God's love for you is responsible. Our response is really important because we can become childish and try to resist discipline, try to characterize it as something else, as though God is uncaring, unloving. God is vindictive. 
when in fact his discipline is given to us to make us more holy, to be like him. It's for our very own good. God is for us. He's not against us. And we should never interpret his discipline as signs that he is against us. So how we respond is really appropriate. David responded appropriately. Because David was known as a man after God's heart does not mean that David was perfect. It simply means that he understood God. And he wanted to please God. And he understood that God loved him. I just want to close with Proverbs 13, 18. Because it tells us that we need to be careful how we respond to discipline. 13.18 says this, Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline. But he who regards reproof will be honored. God's love for you is a responsible love. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your great love for us. I thank you that it is not an irresponsible love that never calls us to account, never challenges us or reproves us. But your love is a love that extends to even discipline because you know that we need to be reformed, we need to be changed, we need to become like you, and it's just not natural to us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to respond to your teaching and your leading as to how we can be disciplined followers of Christ. And I pray that we would respond appropriately to the discipline that you give to us when we get off of your path and make decisions that are bad for us. Help us not to interpret your discipline as anything more than it is part of your love for us. Your love is hard to totally capture because it is so perfect. Help us to get a glimpse as we continue to meditate on these things. In Jesus' name we pray. May God richly bless each and every one of you, and uh, have a great day.